welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. Uh, today, oh, I'm supposed to I'm supposed to introduce myself. I'm a terrible host. Uh, I'm I'm Tom Hammond, uh, co-founder of UserWise, um, and your host today. Um, I'm just so excited to get to you, Daphna, that you know I, I can't stop myself. Um, so we have Daphna Ben on today, uh, who is director of monetization at SciPlay, um, which is super exciting. Um, you know. I never knew this before, but I actually went to college in Cedar Falls, Iowa, um, where SciPlay like, is based. I know they've got a pretty big Austin office now, but I had no idea that it even existed when I was at you know you and I up there. Um, but come to find out later, small world, there's this like really big gaming company based in Cedar Falls. So could have been a dream college job, but I, I missed that opportunity. <laughs> um, but anyways, I, I ramble. Um, Daphna. Uh, I always like to ask, like, what's your story? Like, how'd you actually get into games? For sure. So first of all, hi. Um, Our founder always says that uh, we're the only company founded in Cedar Falls, Iowa, that was um, IPO'd on on, uh, NASDAQ. So we are actually super proud of that. It's a huge company, and it all started there 20-something years ago. And that's super exciting. As for me... Um, I guess after college, I was looking for an opportunity and it was, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I think. And um, a friend of mine suggested that I uh, apply for a marketing job at a company. It was um, actual casino uh, games, like real money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was very interesting. I applied and I got in. And back then there were no schools for like for marketing or anything like that so my peers just taught me everything I knew back then and so I grew up from real money and uh, black hat PPC Um, (laughs) it was really interesting it opened my mind to thinking creatively and trying new things and never getting a no as an answer which is super Israeli I'm Israeli um um, a few years later, I got an offer to move to the States and uh, join Goldfish Casino within SciPlay. Um, so my family and I relocated about a year ago to the States, to Austin, Texas. Um, and a couple of months ago, I was summoned or called to move to Jackpot Party, our biggest and largest game um, as a director on monetization specifically focused on players ops um so of course i immediately said yes um so i'm a lot and like i i travel a lot to cedar falls <laughs> to be with my team um so i guess that's that in a nutshell <laughs> that's awesome so is the um sorry jackpot party actually based in cedar falls then it is yeah it's a huge team yeah. That's great. Um, okay. So I have so many questions. Um, I'm going to endeavor to put them into some, some semblance of coherence. Um, let's start with, uh, can you just tell me a little bit about SciPlay? Like it's been around for 20 years. It's you know out there, but I don't really feel like I hear that much about SciPlay in like the, the regular gaming space. So like, give me the lowdown, like what is SciPlay? Like, what's it like to work there? Um, I'll start at the end, like in, in the last part of the question is so much fun. I think we're, 
Sideway's um, biggest advantage in the market is that um, we work with actual um, slot games that are from the casino floor. We are uh, we work with scientific game slots, and so our player base basically knows that the slots that they're looking for. They look for us, and then they want to take the experience that they have in the casino in Vegas or any any other casino to their mobile phones. I, I was almost about to say to bed, but basically to everywhere. <laughs> Probably, you know, <laughs> to, to the bed, to the bathroom, you know, wherever you want to play. Exactly. Yeah. So that is our biggest advan- advantage. Um, uh, the, the brand that we give to our players, like for example, Jackpot Party, Goldfish, 80 Fortunes, all of those, Quicket is another huge game that we have. So all these apps contain with them slots and 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 games that the, the players know from the casino floor um as for what what we are as a company i think we're a very very focused uh we're very focused um on our players and our employees so people first type of mentality uh whoever they are and we're basically here to serve i as as a manager i'm here to serve my employees and my players and I think there's a lot of emphasis and focus on um, me- mental health, um, uh, great partnerships, great communication. So just making sure people are excited and energized when they come to work. Um, for me, all of those things are culture. Um, that's not to say that we don't have happy hours, parties, and uh, events, and snacks all over the offices around the world of course we do but for me the first part was is the actual essence of our culture yeah that's really cool okay next question you said player ops what is player ops yeah so we differentiate between uh in the monetization world we different we have a separation between um the economy part of it and the live ops the crm social media social media communication um so we are because jackpot party specifically but is such a huge game we wanted to focus and make sure that we put the right attention and the right people um focus on 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 those different aspects and Mm -hmm. both of those um aspects have teams that support all of that and all that goes into that so yeah so if I need to give examples of like what, what I focus on and what my team focuses on is basically making sure that the monthly calendar is always planned ahead and that we are hitting everything that is exciting and giving the player a new and engaging experience almost on a, ba- on a daily basis where yeah. um, everything that supports that, including CRM, social media, all of that kind of ties into that together. But a lot of the times we find, and please stop me if I'm, <laughs> if I'm rambling, but a lot of the times we find that we have great ideas. For example, we want to surface a new type of live ops event for Thanksgiving, just as an example, but we're missing some tech to support that creative idea. Then then we would go and kind of have a development pod uh, work on that and, and develop that. So Everything needs to kind of align and and be on time, specifically when we're targeting holidays because we can't move that date. 
So, <laughs> so there's a lot that goes into that and um, a lot of process and focus and the, on the right things and a lot of prioritization and stuff. So I guess um, that's that's like, like player ops from how we look at it. And here's I, a yeah, here's a question. So, you know, uh, I think a lot of people understand this idea of, you know, planning ahead and whatnot. Um, I know some people that try to plan their calendars like three months ahead. Some people are one month. Some people are chasing the current week. Um, you know, what have you found is a reasonable time frame to be able to, you know, react to what players want and, you know, plan reasonably, but also afford of like, Hey, if I need to do something technically to run this thing on Thanksgiving, like how long ahead do you need that? Or do you guys do like a blended approach where it's like, Hey, for, for big holidays, we're going to think six months out and make sure that like, we're kind of planning for that, but like more of the day to day, we fill in the calendar only like a month ahead or something like that. So I think it's, it's, it's the latter. It's like, it, it's exactly how you, you said it. Um, when, when when the teams that I run are established, I aim to get, to be at a point where the big chunks, the the holidays, the for us the the, the main content is slots. So a, 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 an epic slot release, something like something big that is happening that has a certain date. I want to be planned six months ahead. I'm not saying that that happens on every game team because um, there's need to. There, we we need to build this um, and it's not easy to get to a point where you know exactly what you're going to do six months ahead it's not an easy task but it it is the inspiration and it is it is the the goal that I always have in mind because it allows us to plan all the engineering stuff and it allows for a very healthy um, cadence of development both with art and and engineering um, and then in my in my metaphor it's like the big rocks and then the smaller rocks and yes. so the smaller ones right are like three months ahead where uh, maybe the the less epic slots or uh, a new feature that the the product team is giving to me and I'm gonna do some reskins for that so those are like three months ahead and then I have and also it depends how long of art how long the art team needs in order to create something like a reskin for something. So it always, always depends. And we kind of assess how long does things take. And based on that, we reverse engineer when we need to ask for those things. Um, the, the smaller things, the pop-ups, um, we are trying to be like about 45 days ahead because I feel like that gives us a lot of time to pivot if we need. And the smaller things are easier to attack the gaps that are happening immediately. Like if I see a drop in a KPI, then it's easier for me to pivot and, and change something within the 45 days time period. But um, we don't leave the calendar at 45 and say, yeah, it's perfect. We always like on a weekly and daily basis, look at everything and make sure that we're as aggressive as we need to be uh, in order to hit our goals. Um, and I always kind of strive for the health of the team um, to be 90% planned and only 10% changes in the last minute, uh, specifically for the amazing config people and the QA people that then need to go and actually do all the changes when we come up with, with a pivot. So um, in order to keep a happy and healthy team, 
um, that is still reactive and very much on top of things, I, I try to keep a balance of 90 to 10%. Makes sense. So one thing that you talked about, um, which I don't know why I've never really thought about this before, um, but you kind of talked about calendar planning of how long do we need from a dev perspective to do that? How long do we need from an art perspective to do that? I'm assuming now maybe you're just super smart and way smarter than me, which could be the case, um, but you might not perfectly know how long a dev project or a art project might be to do like a reskin or something. Um, so I'm curious, like who should be in the room when you're doing like a calendar review or like a calendar planning? And Yeah. So I am super lucky to have amazing, uh, an amazing producer and, and like a live ops producer in my, in the team um, that basically runs things very, very, <laughs> she's very on top of things. Um, we actually are growing to more live ops producers because of the capacity that we just are in, increasing and increasing. And because we see such great like impact through the things that we're doing as a team. Um, so first of all, I lean very heavily on the producers. And as I said earlier, I don't, I don't just in like come up with how long before I need to ask for stuff. What we did is I went back and identified the things that we're doing this, this feature for, for it to be reskinned, I need six weeks for this. I need four weeks for this. I need two. And based on that, she's like, I have the capacity for October, for example, to do this, this, and this, because we're this far ahead. I'm just throwing out dates and stuff. Um, and same goes to, to featuring. Like if I, uh, if we're coming up with an idea or a gap that we need to solve with engineering, we then go and ask, uh, we, we sit again in the room with the producers, but with the engineers themselves, and they give us a time estimate after they understand exactly what we need. And based on that, we prioritize things on the roadmap of, of, of the live ops engineering pod. So does that answer your question? <laughs> Basically, producers and engineers based in, producers, engineers, and art based on what we're asking for. So um, there's a article that one of my uh, friends wrote that I love that's out there uh, that's titled Homescapes is a Masterclass in Live Ops. And I reference this a lot because I really like it. Um, but um, in there, what I've really enjoyed is that they really seem to know their players and when they have time during the week to play the game. And if you look at the calendar from like Monday to Thursday, they have, you know, usually one, three, maybe four events that are kind of running simultaneously throughout the week, but they're all very easy events. It's like log in, play the game one time, you get some, you know, nice reward. It's almost like you're punishing yourself if you don't log in and do that. Um, but then the weekend comes, like Friday, Saturday, and they have these like super intensive monetization events where it's like you win 10 games in a row to get this really big reward. And you know that it's a match three games. So they monetize with the plus five moves which, you know, doesn't really have that big of an effect for most people most of the time. But by the time you're on game nine or game 10, you don't you want need, to lose that streak. one more move. And it's yeah. like, oh, do I really want to restart and do all that again? Well, I can because it's the weekend and I have time. But do I want to? I could just spend a little money now. Um, and it's really catered towards like when they have time to actually play the game. Um, so I'm 
kind of curious, like, do you guys do any of that sort of, you know, behavioral analysis to figure out, Hey, our players like to play a lot during this time frame. So try to have an event that matches that time frame that kind of matches their play style. We sure do. Um, we have, we have a meta feature that is always in the game with the easy daily tasks. Um, and it's called honeydew specifically for jackpot party. And, it basically has five to six um, uh, tasks for you, and they're super easy. Basically, if you play, you will complete them. Like it, you, you really have to luck, luck out in, in order to not complete it. Uh, in addition to that, we add a lot of smaller events uh, for the weekdays because very, like very uh, similar to how you describe it, our players are also coming for shorter sessions and. And play less during the weekdays. Um, and so on holidays and weekends, we kind of lean more heavily into our live ops events and and run four days events with very a lot more difficult <laughs> uh, tasks. Um, and we are trying to be as creative and um, and interesting and engaging for our players in order to give them a really good and and big reward to um to to just make sure that they have a reason to uh, play and engage with our um tasks um so uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. we really we really focus on days of the week and time of day that is also a thing mm -hmm. the evenings are stronger for us and so we make sure that we hit um more exciting things on on the on the peak of the days and holidays holidays are big yeah do you do any sort of like time-based segmentation of stuff like you know if i notice you know you might have a you know a guy or a gal that's working the night shift that often plays at like 2 a.m and that's their you know, normal play time compared to like 7 p.m so do you ever like segment players so this event starts for players that typically play at seven, at seven, and for the players that play at two a.m. or nine a.m. or whatnot, they kind of get that event that starts there. So, not on a player-based granularity that is too much, but definitely looking at uh, a group like the the entire population, or specifically we're focused on the U.S. time zone. But if we want to go and hit another geo location or something like that, we would diversify and then take it and put it in the right time zone for the, those players um, in order to kind of um, hit where, where they're peaking. And um, there's a lot more that can be done with this, but it requires a lot of planning. And um, I'm not saying that's not a great idea. It is. Uh, it just requires a lot of config tools and config uh, efforts. So um, there's a lot that goes to that. And we only we always have to consider the ROI. Like, is it worth to invest all of this? Great ideas always come, but we need to make sure that um, the return on the investment, even if it's time of of configuration and weighing yeah. it. People, people time has, has real value. Most people don't think about that, but it does. <laughs> it's so important because when you run a business, um, it's part of the things that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. Your most important cost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, 
I have a few more questions along this train, but I actually wanted to take a step back because, um, I don't know, I've just talked to a number of people lately that really haven't fully gotten the, the live op suite of things. They weren't brought up in Playtika, let's say. Um, here's a basic question. Um, walk me through how, let's say, a casino game normally makes money. And then how could you do, let's even just give me like a simple live ops example of how you could maybe make more money with that, just to kind of help people wrap their, their mind around how a live ops event could work. Okay. So I'm pretty sure I'm not going to reveal any like top secrets. <laughs> it's it's common. I tried to keep it basic, but if you want to <laughs> share some top secrets, you know, we're all ears. So we separate between for loop mechanism to, um, to to in to live ops and the core loop of of casino or specifically slots is spin earn spend by spinning again and that is the that is the main thing everyone every product manager live ops manager that i met that tried to take away from that has lost money the most important thing for a slot player is the slot that's very important if if anyone wants to take one thing from this is slot players wants to play slots <laughs> i know it sounds trivial but that's actually a learning that takes a lot of time because everyone comes with a great idea of a feature but when the features take away from the for loop mechanism we lose so that's that that's the first thing that's how we make money basically every slot has uh, an rtp the RTP is usually, if you want to make money, less than 100%. So it can vary from in the casino floor from 86% to 90 something percent. But the idea is, is that it's less than 100 because that means that if you're um, putting a, putting in a 100 cent bet, um, the casino will take, will give you back in, on average 90 something percent of cents back of that, uh, just as an example. So that is how you make money. Now that doesn't mean that every spin you will get that 90 something percent. That just means that on average, eventually uh, you will, that would be the return on your investment. Um, and that's how we make money um, as a mobile game because we're not a real casino. We are not this that's not we're not a gambling it's not um as it is in the casino you don't actually take money back you you are getting free coins or you buy extra coins um in order to extend your your session and you invest those in the slots by betting um there's a range of bets that you can have on every slot machine and by losing those those coins gradually and over time, of course, a lot of people win, but eventually you'll lose your coins. You'll get to a place where you have to either wait for your next free coins or buy again. So that's the business. Now, what we do with Life Ops is a simple example would be, I am giving you a task and I'm telling you, if you spend 100 times, um, in a minimum bet that is a little bit higher than your average bet. Um, so I'm pushing you up um, and from your comfort zone. I will give you a huge reward. So I promise you something. I may tell you in advance what that is or not, 
that's up to us as a as a business and depends on what type of players we have and that's that's how you start being more evolved that's how you start testing stuff what works best for your players and that's how you know start to learn your players and by doing those hundred spins but on a, a little bit higher of a bet than you're comfortable with i am not guaranteeing but i have a bigger chance of getting you quicker to out of points so if you usually uh, would get through those hundred spins easily because your bet is lower than what I'm asking you to do, now you're gonna get it. You're get it, You're gonna get to eighty spins, and you have a friction point. Um, the friction point is: Do I want to um, buy in order to get that re- buy coins in order to get that 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 uh, reward, or not? Um, my job is to make sure that you think that that reward is valuable in order for you to extend your session. I, I used to have um, a, a boss that says that friction point, making it not frustrating, but exciting and inviting. That is the magic. <laughs> if I get to like 80 spins and I've got to do... I don't know, a million coins per spin or something. And I see that there's a hundred million coins there. And it's like, well, if I just buy those 20 million coins right now, I'm going to get like a five times return on my, you know, investment kind of a thing. Yes. Um, When it's too easy of a math, I think it's, um, it's, it's really tricky to nail it down because then you have to be super micro segmented and make sure that you have everything correctly. I'm not saying it's impossible. Um, so because a player would say it's not only investing the extra 20 um, K in order to get the 20 spins, it's also everything that I invested so far. So is that 100 K enough for me before all this investment? Then you have to be more sophisticated and 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 hiding or making sure that basically making sure that the reward is worth it for the players to make, to make that effort. Um, and, and, and that requires a lot of testing. Um, there's no one answer that fits everyone. Um, and, and I find that super exciting. Like <laughs> it's like a riddle, like that you're always trying to solve, like what would work for my players as opposed to the, the, the other games player or, or to this segment versus the other segment. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, actually, on that note, let's talk a little bit about segments. Um, so, you know, what would be a good example of segmentation? Because I, you know, I hear people talking about segmentation a lot in gaming, but I don't know that very many actually do segmentation or maybe do it well. Um, so. Do you have any, any examples of ways that maybe you split players into a segment that has worked really poorly or on the contrary, like ways that you split players into a segment that has worked really well? Um, I want to say in all honesty that I feel like we have a long way to go with segmentations. Um, we have gone several ways to try and analyze our, our uh, player base and trying to find like work with analytics to find um, the players that are 
leaning more heavily on weekdays or the player or versus versus weekends or the players that prefer auto spin versus spinning spin after a spin that like trying to separate them and trying to put them into categories um it's a very heavy lifting on the analytics side and then painting them or coloring them in the database and and use that in order to uh pull leverage that a really good and interesting segmentation thing that we're trying right now is um as as the with crm actually um we have tested through throughout the past couple of months um and and before that in the in, in goldfish the other game teams that game, game team that i were was at for over a year we've tested like groups of of about of, of time on not time on app but just um seniority sorry i forgot the mm. word seniority in our games in order to segment players and see what type of coin rewards work best for them in order to get them back into the game or um um or just keep them into the game so retention or preventing churn um and there's there's a lot of things that went poorly for example trying to get back people um that um ha haven't played for five days uh, we have we, we sent we we at, at the beginning we just arbitrarily decided on that and we send this coin amount and then we increased it but we couldn't get them back so we changed approaches and we went to a shorter period of time we understood that that time window is we lost that player it's it's and i'm just saying five is as is, is a random number but we lost the player um and so we need to shorten that window and we test and test and test it until we found the right value of coins that we want to give and the right time in order to hit that so that we're getting the most players back. So um, that's just one example of a lot of testing that went in the beginning was it just didn't work and yeah. we continued iterating on it until we found something that works for our game. And then when we moved from Goldfish to Jackpot Party, we're like, it doesn't mean that if it worked in one game team, then that's the exact same um, equation that would work for Jackpot Party's players. So again, yep. testing, 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 and making sure that that segmentation works best best for um, uh, retention, as an example. Yeah. So you know, maybe a different way to think about it is to start with the business goal of what thing are you trying to influence or to affect or to change. Um, and then you can try breaking players up into different sorts of groups and giving them different sorts of things to try to actually positively impact that business goal in whatever way you're trying to do it. Absolutely. And one of the things that I learned um, this past year for, from a UX consultant that we had here is that you have to start with a theory. It, try to have a good enough theory that is based on what you think you, you know about your players and then test it, test it, test it, test it until you prove it right or wrong. Um, but you have to start somewhere. <laughs> so um, that was a very eye-opening experience for me because I was like, well, we have to base everything on data. And she's like, well, let's try to look at it differently. Start with a theory and prove your theory because that's um, that's how um, um, 
like the mythology, the methodology that you worked with. And I, I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Um, appreciate that. Um, just jumping back a little bit to the people that are maybe like getting started with live ops and maybe like heard all this like crazy calendar planning and like something new every single day and, you know, all this stuff. Um, you know, if, if you and I were to start a new, well, we'll make it a casino game. So you're familiar with it, you know, today, and we have no live ops. Um, what would be like, what would be like a good starting point or like a good first step for, you know, somebody that's just trying to like get into live ops. Um, in my opinion is understand your game really well. Um, and then understand what the competitors are doing. Um, whenever I have a new employee, no matter if it's live ops or anything else, I tell them use the first month to play the game and then don't stop. But later, like I play every day, my game and all, uh, and all the, the, the main competitors that that I think I, I need to 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 look at. But later it's really hard to find time to play the games. Uh, but the beginning, understand what you're selling, right? Because it's it's really easy to assume a lot of things. And um if you don't understand your game, I think it's really hard to build good live ops. It's it's easy to uh start getting in love with your ideas and think that you have a creative idea. And so that's a good idea. But if you don't understand the business model, if you don't understand your players, then um, you're not, you're not hitting, I don't think you'll be able to hit the right KPIs. And that's the second thing. If you're like, the first thing is understand your, your game, understand your players, but then analyze what are the gaps or, or get help understanding what are the gaps that you're trying to solve? What is the KPI that you're trying to move? Obviously everything translates into revenue, but what are the pre preliminary KPIs that you're trying to move? Where, where is, it, is the gap and how are you going to solve for that? And based on that, only then come up with your first live ops event. Very interesting. I don't think I would have taken that approach, but I like it. What uh, would you have done? What would I have done? Well, anytime that I think of uh, live ops or doing any sort of like monetization consulting work, I mean, I think the first thing that I like to look at in a game is like, do you at least have stable retention? And do you at least have like a stable core monetization metric? Because if you don't have that, you're going to, you know, mess everything up. Like, yeah, I could maybe make you some money by doing some special offers and stuff, but it's probably going to destroy your economy and, and people are going to just going to get addicted to that. And it's like, you know, <laughs> the, the flash sales, it's, it's not a good sustainable model. Um, so I like to look at that core business model. Um, and if I'm thinking about live ops, there's usually two realms of things that I'm thinking about. Um, and again, maybe this is the business model, but like the first one would be, um, is it like an engagement retention type thing or um, I forget the, the name of the metric. Somebody coined it the other day. It's like, how often do they come back? Like, are they coming into the game every single day? And that was like their core metric over retention. I loved that. I need to remember what it is. Um, like day for day retention. Yeah. It's like, 
consistency or something like, you know, do they come back every single day? Um, so, you know, I think some live ops events can be oriented towards that, which is like, you know, players love this idea of new and surprises. So I, I want to come back every day because there's always some new surprise or something interesting for me to check out. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, so I better log in and see. Um, that's kind of almost the appeal of TikTok and Instagram. Like you never know what's going to be in there. So you always want to just like open it up and see, right? Um, email Slack does that to us too. Um, but then if I'm on the monetization side of things, if I've got that good core aspect, I try to think about, well, how can I add a live ops event such that I can get them to do more of that core or maybe just a little bit more of that core than they do before. So as you kind of outlined, you know, maybe they spin 80 times and they bet this. So I'm going to do a hundred times and bet a little bit more. Or, you know, if I was designing something in let's say Royal match and I see, Hey, they play three games on average per day. Well, um, I want to try to get them to five. So I'll make some sort of live ops event where they, you know, collect 60 of the hundred required gems or whatever, you know, they're trying to do. And now they're like, well, 60% of the way towards that really big, awesome thing that I want, by the way, you have to know what they want. Um, and it's like, well, I might as well just like play two more levels, like just a little bit more to get that thing that I pretty much done. Um, and now there's two more levels that are played, two more opportunities for the plus five moves, two more opportunities for that monetization kind of thing to happen. But you have to have that core monetization layer first is, is how I like to approach it. I think you're saying, um, I think you're saying what I'm saying, but your your answer is like the the next level. Once you understood the gap, because you said you either do this or do this, depending on, on what I'm trying to solve, right? You mm -hmm. first need to identify what you're trying to solve. And then you gave a lot of examples of things of that. So for me, I think we're saying the same thing as just it's just like what are what are what yeah. is the, the the order of things? What what are I think understanding what you're trying to solve, and you mentioned three examples of things that you're trying to solve and how you're going to solve them. But understanding that is the core, because if you don't understand what you're trying to solve, you're just throwing spaghetti on the wall. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question that like goes deeper beyond that, that I often am struggling with. Um, okay. Well, I think we both said this of like, I can do a live ops event, but I have to know what's valuable to the players. So how have you, like, is it literally just tons and tons of experimentation or have you ever been able to figure out like what is actually valuable to players or players in this segment? Um, well, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So for a slot player, the currency is coins. So that's very valuable. The question is how much, um, and that is um, easy for a slot game because of the RTP. Um, if, if the slots are giving, let's just say 90%, then I can give anywhere between zero to about like nine and a half percent back to the player with still leaving some room for me to, to, to gain money from this experience. So anything in the betweens I can give back to the player. So if I'm giving them a task and it takes them 1 million coins to complete that, I, I will give them the maximum that I can without losing on their work, the investment. Yeah. So, 
So, but with that said, I still am a very, very strong on one point reward and that's it. Um, you should continue testing and specifically when you have going back to segmentation, right? So um, a really great use case of segmentation in, in Jekyll Party um, is based on star powers. So star power basically segments the population of our game into 15 categories. Um, and that is being calculated on a daily basis. And that takes into account the bets that you did yesterday. And based on that, it gives you a task and a reward that is appropriate to what you invested yesterday. So that is a really great example of segmentation and answers the question of how do you know what to reward your player? Because it all ties to your experience. I don't want to give you too many coins. I don't want to make you make you feel offended by too little of coins. So there's a balance there. Yeah. So I will admit that I've never really played too deeply into a casino game. I've, I've played them, but never like super deeply. So this might be a super amateur question. Um, but, you know, are there ever any rewards like on, on your side that are more valuable or equally valuable to coins? Like, you know, have you guys ever made like items and it could even be, you know, related to the core aspect of like double your next jackpot reward or 10 free spins or, you know, something like that. Like there are, there are, yes, absolutely. There are so many rewards and specifically in jackpot parties. So we have a second currency called Honeybucks and you can unlock things with using Honeybucks. So we can reward that. We have um, battle pass, we call it Honey Pass. And uh, the, the currency there are gems. So we can reward that or give you a live ops event that if you complete it today only, your gems are doubled. Um, or things like that. We also have a feature that is a bingo feature that once you complete a board, you get a lot of coins. And so we can reward bingo balls. Um, so, and those are just some of the examples. We have other things that we can reward in game. Um, so a lot of things that are just loops that are happening around the core loop. Uh, yeah. basically meta loops in order to uh, engage the player and not always bore them with just giving them coins. But that's also the starts the complexity of live ops because you can then start having another layer of events that, for example, bingo balls. Uh, this day I'm going to give you a lot of bingo balls, but the next day I'm going to take away because I'm going to ask you to invest them in order to collect coins. But you're going to, the day after that, I'm going to tell you invest a lot of coins by betting up. And so in order to get, to get bingo balls or honey bucks or so this, there's a loop that keeps you very, very interested and gives you a motivation to come every day and discover what's new in the game. And that's the exciting part. <laughs> Sounds great. I love it. Um, but you always got to remember the core loop Playing slots, you can't mess with that. Everything comes back to that, right? You see, I'm a great teacher. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned so much already. Um, well, uh, this is great. Well, Daphna, I know we're 
pretty much out of time here. So we've got about time for maybe like one, one question left. And I always like to ask, because it is the Master Intention podcast, you know, um, what's one tip or trick or lesson you've learned over the years to increase retention? Like, how do you keep your players playing for longer? Huh, that's a very interesting question. I think, I think we're lucky because we build games. And so there's always that expectation of what, what will happen tomorrow? What am I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say like leaning into the FOMO of what am I missing? Because I know that this game always rewards something amazing every single day. So what am I missing if I'm not logging in? For for me, that's the magic, and that's what keeps player coming day after day. That's great. I love it. Um, well, Daphna, if folks do want to get in contact with you, have any questions, or you know, maybe they're curious about side play, I, I assume you guys are probably hiring, and so if it sounded like <laughs> a cool place to work, um, what's what's a good way to do that? Um, LinkedIn, always Daphna been on my name. Um, I always answer to everyone and uh, through the SciPlay site uh, and careers. There are all the sites that we have, uh, which are Cedar Falls, Austin, Finland, Turkey, Israel, um, Ukraine, um, and India. Um, so many, sites and so many opportunities. Um, we have so many open recs because we're growing uh, constantly. And it's just um, something that I really recommend trying to do, <laughs> join SciPlay. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like if you want to learn live ops, like I kid you not, the stuff that you just kind of outlined there of how it all works together, there's so few games that actually really do that well. So if you want to learn live ops, go here. <laughs> all right. Well, Daphna, thank you so much for joining and, and hopefully we can talk soon. Thank you for having me. Bye.